Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. scary music just freaks me out something about it just freaks me out i love it welcome back to the mind poppers podcast with your host adam o'reilly you're very welcome back to the void um i'm doing just fine i'm doing just fine obviously we got news that um this whole lockdown situation because of the coronavirus is going to continue in ireland for another couple of weeks and more than likely another couple of weeks after that I mean we're not going to be it looks like we're not going to be back clubbing and pubbing until Christmas and that is like that's still being optimistic like it could be 2021 before you get to sit out in a beer garden you know which is the mind popper in itself um, which is absolutely terrifying but what I will say is some of the more positive sides of this whole lockdown thing for me I mean first of all obviously it's kind of given a time everyone's stuck at home it's given everyone an opportunity for introspection you know spend some time with ourselves which is always good um but more importantly than that it gives you like this social free pass which I have just found amazing you know this you know the way like when you're out in the club or whatever and you're out in the smoking area and you're pissed and you know you you, you see someone that you kind of know and the two of you end up talking you're sitting down together and you're both pissed and like you're not very it's like you're not super close with this person or anything you know you don't fuck with them that much you know they're not like in your inner circle but you get to talking anyway and then that person or sometimes you I mean I've often done it myself will be like oh, we have to meet up for lunch we have to meet up for lunch tomorrow you know, that kind of whole thing where you really, at God, like sober would have never had any intention of sitting across a table from this bitch. But, you know, with a bit of drinking, yeah, and your social butterfly, you're like, yeah, 100%, let's do it, let's do it. And I'd be like, no, 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 I, I, te- I swear, I'm not just saying it, I'll text you tomorrow, I'll text you tomorrow, we're going for lunch, end of story, the two of us, we're going for lunch. And then, of course, you wake up the next morning and you're like, I am in my fuck meeting this bitch for lunch, absolutely not. Um, I don't know who said that last night that that wasn't me that was Patricia We're, we ain't meeting you know but now with this whole coronavirus thing this lockdown thing it takes away all this awkwardness like if I don't want to meet up with you it's perfect because I don't even need an excuse because no one can meet up with anyone and that kind of like free pass on the social obligations is just amazing to me and the same way with family like not having to go to any family functions or like feeling bad for not visiting like grandparents or whatever I don't feel bad because I can't you know it's amazing it's liberating it's the one true blessing that the whole coronavirus pandemic has brought us is that freedom um, now the one thing that I'm freaking out about because I, I saw in the um, announcement in the last couple of days that you know, the whole plan for how we're going to open up the country again and whatever. And it was like looking to what, like almost Christmas until they are hoping to have the pubs and clubs opened. And I imagine at that, that is very optimistic to imagine all of us back clubbing um, by Christmas. Like it could be 2021 before we're all sitting in a beer garden. And that, that freaks me out for sure. Um, but I, the most troubling thing is, the fact that I'm not going to be able to get away this summer on holidays. Because like when the coronavirus was like January, February, March, I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, look, I'm not going to be doing anything anyway. I already got away to Amsterdam in January, so I'm okay. But then when it was like the 1st of May and this whole coronavirus thing is still going on on the 1st of May, the start of summer, that didn't sit right with me. That didn't sit right with me at all. Like, not fucking summer, like, whatever. Who gives a shit about January, February, March? And then April, I was kind of like, okay, time to wrap it up, time to wrap it up. And then May, mm-mm, mm-mm. 
just not happy about it. But the thought of not being able to get away. I mean, like the one thing that we have in the summer is being able to book a holiday. And that just makes the unbearable, mundane, torturous, empty existence that we call life bearable. You know, because like as soon as you book a holiday, you are like second thing you do is download like the app to like count how many days till you're going on holiday. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe 452 days of my holiday. Um, and I was that person, you know, just something to look forward to, something to work towards, a reason to lose weight, you know. Um, and I feel like that's just been taken away from us. And like me and my friends, we were planning on going, you know, we're planning on spending some time in Europe this summer. Uh, but that's just the... That is the classy way of saying we were going to spend a week in the Casa del Sol. But it just sounds classic. Europe. Spending some time in Europe. Um, but I just don't know if that's going to be able to happen. And now I'm like looking back and all the holidays that I took for granted. Like I think it was like last summer, obviously I spent some time in Miami. Uh, and the summer before that, I spent some time in um, Europe. In Belmedina to be precise. We, me and my friends went over and we rented a beautiful villa. Um, and we had our own pool it was just everything it was like a little just like for seven days I got to live the life I deserved just like sitting by the pool you know smoking like reading a magazine and then like getting too hot and going for a dip in the pool and then like later on in the evening I'd have a bottle of champagne and I'd have a bottle of champagne I'd be resting you know on the edge of the pool pool side if you will and I'd go in swimming and you know after a few tokes and a few drinks you know, it was skinny dipping and I'd just be like balls out and it was beautiful. Just being submerged in this hot Spanish weather, sun blaring down. And then the lads would be like, oh my God, you look like, you know, the baby on the cover of the Nirvana album who has his little, his little wiener hanging out. And how we'd laugh, ha ha ha, how we would laugh at my little wiener in the pool. It was just amazing. And to be honest, I'm scared that I'm not going to see that this summer. So I don't know about that. Now, in terms of what we have coming up on this episode, there's been a lot of things that's actually happened this week. A lot of weird things, a lot of mind poppers that I just came across and had me thinking and had me looking into stuff that just caught my interest. Now, we have everything on this episode from aliens, UFOs, Church of Scientology and even the Kardashians. Yes, that's just how we do. We do like a little bit of trash in the show. Let's move on to the first mind popper of this evening's episode. And we are going to the United States. I know what possible mess could the Yanks be dragging us into now? Well, a couple of days ago, the US government, to be more specific, the Pentagon, released three videos of what they are calling UFOs, but what they're actually calling is unidentified aerial phenomena, or UFOs as they were known, that were caught by infrared cameras by the US Navy. Now the weird thing, and you can go and, like it's covered by all the news outlets, um, in fact when they um, uploaded the videos, like officially uploaded the videos um, a couple of days ago, it was you know trending on Twitter, like hashtag aliens exist. And basically what the US government said about these, you know, three official videos of the UFOs is basically is that they don't know what they were. They they, they still don't know what they are. Um, the way these crafts were moving in the air, it's not a technology that we've seen on Earth. It's um, a, propulsion, a propulsion system that just defies what humans know about the laws of physics and gravity and all that. So they're basically out there confirming alien life or a superior intelligence, which to me is crazy, is the mind popper for sure. Um, but I guess the whole thing is the videos have been out for a number of years. So you may have already have seen these videos. That's the thing. Um, I think one of the videos came out in 2004 and another in 2017 and another in 2018, having circulated or circulating the Internet for quite some time. So the thing is, it's like, why now? Why now is the US government, the Pentagon, coming forth and officially releasing these videos and confirming that they are, in fact, UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena? I don't get it. Why? Because these videos were out there, you know, and so are like hundreds of thousands of UFO videos. Like we've all seen countless number of videos claiming to you know have footage of ufos on the internet so i mean the u.s government could have easily have just let have let that 
let those videos get lost in that sea of like all this footage and no one would ever blink an eye. But for them now to come out and confirm that these three, you know, independent videos taken by the US Navy, you know, confirm that they are UFOs. I mean, they don't come outright and say, yes, look, we acknowledge the existence of alien life, but they're coming out and saying, okay, we have observed these crafts on our infrared cameras and followed them and pursued them and we don't know their origin. All we know is that the technology doesn't exist yet here on Earth to produce the kind of crafts that the US government has been observing in the skies. I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's basically the same thing. The US government have come out and said, okay, aliens exist. I mean, we didn't really get a big, in, or a big, huge reaction. Like, obviously I said, you know, it was trending on Twitter, hashtag aliens exist, was trending on Twitter after the Pentagon released these videos. But I mean, they released it in the middle of a fucking pandemic where we've all become so fucking numb to the news. Like, whatever news is on, we're all so numb to it because, God, it's all we're being fed and fed every single fucking day during this pandemic. But I just, it's just doesn't sit right with me. Something ain't right that the US government now is releasing these videos when they didn't have to. These videos could have gotten lost in the sea of UFO videos out there and would never have, you know, never would have made any difference. Why? Why come forward and say, yes, we have these three videos of UFOs? It just doesn't sit. Something smells. Something don't smell good. If you ask me, I don't get it. Like, what's the game? Because transparency isn't like the objective of the US government. It never has been and never will be. You know, like they they could give a fuck, you know, of what you know and what you don't know. Um, so that's why to me, there has to be some sort of ulterior motive um, to like say that like, okay, we have seen UFOs and we don't know what they are either. Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm like, is it a distraction? You know, are they preparing the public for something? Like, they basically confirmed that alien life exists and nobody gives a fuck. Like, y'all don't give a fuck. You know, they came out and said alien life exists and all you people, and by you people, I just mean all of us in general, seem to care about is, I mean, it trended for a hot minute, sure. A, hashtag aliens exist. It trended for a minute. And then as soon as fucking Zayn Malik and Gigi Hadid came out and said that they were knocked up, no one gave a fuck about the aliens, the fact that there was intelligent life observing us. Nobody gave a fuck because Poxy Zayn Malik and Gigi Hadid are coming out with a fucking baby. Who gives a fuck about that stupid baby? Now, in saying that, um, that baby is probably going to be absolutely gorgeous. Maybe the best looking baby in the world, 100%. I am interested in, to see how it turns out, 100%. I'm all over it. But while we've just been given the news that, you know, alien life potentially exists and the US government is finally acknowledging it, to then being like, oh, Zay Malik and Gigi Hadid, Pregnant, who gives a fuck? Um, now, what I am grateful for is that um, we're talking, you know, if anything had to take, like, the limelight away from the UFOs and alien life, you know, I'm grateful that it was, like, say, Zayn Malik and Gigi Hadid rather than the likes of, say, Justin Bieber and that, what is it, the, B the Haley, is it Haley Baldwin? Yeah, the Baldwin. Um... Because, God, I hate the two of them. I know this is a tangent, but, God, I hate the two of them so much. Like, I remember, you know, Justin Bieber. He was obviously one of the best-looking people in the world. And he, you know, he, he crossed a very fine line in the last, like, year or two. Going from, like, you know, this tall, stringy, you know, string of piss, skinny white boy. You know, that looked like he got a little drug problem. Dark circles under the eye, scrawny. You know, that, of course, everybody loves. And he crossed that very fine line into kind of like scraggly, Bible belt, uh, redneck America kind of Justin Bieber that he is now, which is just not hot at all. And the same with that fucking clown, Hayley Baldwin. Oh, when I say I hate her, I hate the two of them. Honestly, I just think that they are trash. Um, but look, this isn't about that. This isn't about that. Let's get back to the mind popper at hand. And that's not how 
God, how the, the Biebers are garbage, but it is alien life, extraterrestrial life. And for me, it's just something like the thought of extraterrestrial life, aliens. It's just something that's always fascinated me ever since I was a child. Not only has it fascinated me, it has haunted me. It's haunted me. Like, I have to say that, like, if I had, like, a number of irrational fears, you know, one of them being spiders. I, I hate spiders, tarantulas. I can't. I can't. Um, but aliens. Aliens have always freaked me out. Freaked me out more than anything else in this world. Like, I remember watching like when you're younger and you'd be watching like say like the paranormal activity movies or whatever and like yes there was a good few good jump scares um but they never terrified me truly as much as the horror movies involving aliens and invasion and extraterrestrial life nothing like that has ever scared me so much and i tell you why like the thing about like the paranormal movies and whatever the ghosts um like yeah absolutely like, don't get me wrong if I had a ghost in my house, like some sort of demonic presence, of course I'd be absolutely shitting it and I would bolt out that door and never look back 100%. But like when you compare that for me to like aliens, like aliens have always just been so much more terrifying to me. Like the thought of just like lying in bed at night and then suddenly a beam of light is like lifting my fat ass. They're going to need a second light. But like lifting my fat ass off the bed, you know, and like sucking me up through the fucking ceiling or whatever to take me away. Or just like even the image, seeing one of them in your bedroom, like these tall, stringy, like skinny aliens with the big grey heads and like the big black almond eyes. Oh, it freaks me out like no, not nothing else. And I don't know why, but aliens have always freaked me out. And I mean, like. I really kind of put into perspective like my fear of like ghosts or demons or whatever because I'm like when I think of like oh my god like if, if there is an alien and it wants to take you it's going to take you and there's just really nothing you can do about it but like okay like if I'm in like oh my house is haunted and I have a ghost you know like woohoo you opened the door well good for you good for you thank you very much I was going to the kitchen anyway do you know or like woohoo the lights start flickering thank you very much thank you very much the the lecky bill has been too high this week anyway you know so I feel like I could deal with a ghost but this whole like the unknowing of the alien thing oh it gives me anxiety it really does give me anxiety um and you know what the thing that has always surprised me is when people say like when people kind of like actually put the two in the same bracket like aliens and ghosts or whatever and like when people I like so when I meet someone for the first time or if I'm talking to someone on Tinder or whatever for the first time one of the opening questions I'll always say is like do you believe in aliens um I want to get a judge on how open someone's mind is and that's always a leading question for me because I 100% believe in aliens, believe in extraterrestrial life, one million percent. And when someone comes back to me, they're like, no, obviously not hardly. I don't believe in that bullshit. I honestly just think that they are a lesser person. They are just operating, they are a fool, a damn fool. They are operating on just a lower vibration, you know? Um, I just don't know how people's minds can be so closed. And just to give you some insight into that, if you're one of those people, Right. So scientists predict that there is more habitable planets, habitable planets um, out in the universe than there are grains of sand on Earth, on all the beaches on Earth. So if you're wondering how many grains of sand we have on all the beaches um, on Earth, that is five sextillion. There is five sextillion grains of sand on Earth. Yeah, um, I know what you're going to say. What's a sextillion? What is a sextillion? It's not a million. It's not a billion. It's not a trillion. It is a sextillion, right? So five sextillion grains of sand. Um, that is five with 21 zeros after it. Five with 21 zeros after it. So scientists say that for every grain of sand we have on Earth, there is a planet capable of hold, um, of allowing life to develop on it out there in the universe, right? That is five sextillion planets out there in the universe capable of supporting life as we know it and life as we don't know it and people will still turn around and think that earth is that one in five sextillion the one planet that can support life and to me I'm like you are a you're a dumb you're a dum-dum you know you are a dum-dum I'm like how could you be so small-minded 
to think that you are the only planet out there in the universe with intelligent life. I, I am not even convinced there is intelligent life on this planet. Um, so that really does frustrate me. But 100%. And I mean, like, for me, this news of um, the whole, like, the US, um, the US Pentagon releasing the footage um, and confirming that, yes, we have seen um, UFOs or whatever... It's big for me. It was a big moment for me. And obviously, like I said, I don't believe they're doing it for the right reasons. I believe there's 100% an ulterior motive behind this um, exposure or whatever. But it's like the biggest thing that's happened for me in terms of aliens and what have you since obviously the whole Roswell incident. Now, if you, you probably heard what the Roswell incident is. If not, I'll give you just a little brief talking to about it. You remember um, Roswell, it's in I think New Mexico. Um, it was in 1947 in July when a flying saucer, okay, a UFO, crashed into the desert. Um, and first when this came out, like it was in all the papers, in all the papers, you can even look at the RTE archives and they have reported on it. Um, but it was the kind of first kind of thing where the US government, I keep in mind of 1947, the US government came out and was like, yes, we've recovered a flying saucer. Um of unknown origins and they didn't say much more about it again then shortly after they flipped it um saying that it was a weather balloon or whatever but the interesting thing was um there was a lot of eyewitnesses around you know who had seen it or whatever um and there's a lot of fascinating documentaries on the roswell incident now but um you know the area base it was area 51 you know one of the one of the um, army bases and you could talk, you listen to like all these like eyewitness accounts, whatever. And there was one fascinating account from someone, a local mortician in the area. And after the crash, the base, Area 51, had contacted um, the uh, mortician in regards to the, the flying saucers that had just crash landed. And he was looking for, uh, or sorry, the area base, Area 51, was looking for um, small, a, a number of small child-sized coffins. And the mortician was like, why? why? Why do you want the child-sized coffins? And they were like, it doesn't matter. He was like, how many are you going to need? And they were like, it doesn't matter. Can you do it or whatever? How many can you get us? Um, and of course, that was um, you know, added to the whole eyewitnesses you know, saying and to the people, the former members of Area 1 who worked there and then came forward later on saying that once the UFO had crashed, that there was they were actually taking... Um, small bodies that were recovered from the craft out that weren't human in origin small alien bodies that had obviously passed away uh, in the crash and then were taken so there is there's so much to fall down that rabbit hole the whole alien thing god it freaks me out and um, but keep your mind open when it comes to the alien thing because sooner or later i imagine and certainly within our lifetimes this is going to be blown wide open, this whole alien thing, because there's a, certainly a lot more going on and than we realise and that we care to understand. Well, I'm sorry, it's just the whole alien thing really gets to me. It really freaks me out. Like the thought of getting like abducted and probed. I mean, like, is it true that like aliens, do they do, they do butt stuff? Um, we'll find out. Um... But in speaking of butt stuff, right, my next mind popper, and it's not even like a mind blowing like thing. It's just something that I have realized in my own thinking. In relation to butt stuff, let's talk about the Kardashians. Now, what are the Kardashians doing to still keeping us like engaged with them for this long? The most recent thing, because I don't watch, I don't follow Keeping Up With The Kardashians. I don't even know if I follow all of the Kardashian family um, on Instagram and Twitter, but you don't need to be. Because all their actions, you know, all their little dramas, whatever, they really do kind of worm their way into main pop culture. So we're all still consuming the Kardashians, even if we're not directly seeking them out. So the biggest thing that I've observed about the Kardashians um, as of late is this whole like physical fight between um, Kourtney Kardashian and Kim Kardashian. And I have to say, like seeing those two sisters, like who have like, gone through so much together like cried together laughed together like celebrated each other's wins and like you know mourned each other's losses to see those two sisters getting together and fighting it's just I love it I absolutely love it absolutely love it because let me tell you what I am completely completely 
just gone off the Kardashians. Completely and truly just couldn't be fucked with the Kardashians. Because especially in times of quarantine and stuff, I'm just so sick and tired of clicking on to these like vapid morons like pages and stuff and just seeing this like gross excessive wealth that they have it just it's god it's depressing and it's like it's just I'm such a eat the rich kind of person it makes me sick and the thing is like when you click on to like a story like one of Kim Kardashian's stories on Instagram you're not going for the laughs you know as in like you're not going to be laughing you're not going to be pissing yourself she's not like just totally so funny and creative no you're going to see her be like hi you guys uh so today north is whatever north is scratching her ass um while she sits in this big multi-million complex and we're not like going to see kim kardashian for her personality that's not what brings us back what we're addicted to seeing with like the likes of kim kardashian is the excessive wealth the opulence um, like we want to see how the 1% lives so bad and then they open up this little gateway to, you know, to us to see paradise, to see what we could have but never will have. Um, and I'm just sick of it, sick of feeding into these people um, who really have nothing to offer in terms of personality, in terms of content creation. Like, you know, what are they giving us? Absolutely nothing, nothing at all. And I'm just sick of seeing all the excessive wealth, like, I'll admit, for the first couple of years, like, yeah, I was totally into it. I love seeing the beautiful houses, the beautiful cars, you know, just how the rich people live. Now I'm just, like, totally the opposite. It actually just, it makes me feel bad to look at it. It, it repels me, it repulses me. Um, So obviously then when I saw um the video of finally, it was like the bad girls club, you know, finally the Kardashians got exciting of like Kim Kardashian and Kourtney Kardashian thumping the heads off each other. Oh, it just felt so good. It felt so good. She's like, bam, 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 into Courtney's face. And then Courtney like starts giving her the low kick and all that, like McGregor, and like smashes Kim's face against the wall. And like half of Kim's like fucking orange makeup is pe- still peeled on the wall. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing to see. It was like, I, do you know what? I would like for the Kardashians, like a Hunger Games or like Purge scenario, which is like a free for all battle to the death. Uh, oh my god it would actually it just felt really good to see the Kardashians like sick of the whole bitching thing sick of sick of the whole bitching thing like Courtney why aren't you turning up for filming yeah who gives a fuck but seeing them get physical with each other god that that was worth it that was 100% worth it all the good feelings all the good feelings from that but like I mean I don't know about the Kardashians at this stage just when you thought the Kardashians couldn't do anything to keep our interest, you know, to keep our minds focused on them. You know, they somehow they always pull it out of the bag. You know, it was the sex tape that launched like a thousand careers. Um, it was just incredible, you know, like from one sex tape and then like the, obviously we like they had OJ Simpson, that whole link like is it Chloe's father? I mean, they used that storyline for a fucking long time in the show. And then they were like, hey, Rob's fat now. You know, Rob's fat and he's depressed. They, they stole that for a couple of seasons as well. We were all into that. Scott's an alcoholic. Scott Disick is an alcoholic. We love it. We love seeing him drink and abusing the people around him. We were like, more of that, please. Um, oh, it was just amazing. And then, of course, they got Kanye West on, who was like, at the time, I know we say at the time, I, I don't think so much anymore, one of the most influ- influential artists in music. So they were really pulling out all the shows and stuff. Like it was just amazing, all the tricks. And then, oh my God, the chef's kiss, creme de la crop. Oh my God, when uh, Bruce Jenner announced um, her transi- her transition into Caitlyn Jenner. Like, fuck me, fuck me. Like this family, God, it, they just had it all laid out, didn't they? They had it all laid out, like all the little drama. And then like, it, just, it just blows my mind how lucky they were for like to have Bruce on the show for so many years as the main character and then for him to like to finally decide to start living her truth as Caitlyn. Woo! My God, their minds. Chris Jenner's minds. Oh my God, it's true what they say that the devil works hard but Chris Jenner works so much harder. She does. She deserves that 10% and more and that is just the mind-blowing thing to me. How how they keep pulling it out of the bag. Like, what's next for the Kardashians? What can they possibly do after, like, gender reassignments? 
and just like affairs and abuse and like now the physical fights, the, the robbery in Paris. If you've ever seen the episode of the Kardashians after the robbery in Paris, it is shot beautifully. The cinematography in the episode, like the first episode after that was released in regards to the Kim Kardashians, you know, being held at gunpoint in Paris. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh my fuck, it deserved an Emmy, an Oscar, a BAFTA, the whole works. And again, like, I don't watch the Kardashians that much at all, really. But if something happens, like, in the, that really, like, affects the news, like the whole Kim Kardashian robbery thing, which happened, I don't know, what was it, 2016 or whatever, I would go and, like, seek out that episode to watch. I wanted to see how they spin it or whatever. And when I tell you the directors had that edited, something amazing. Like, they had, like, the, the music, the stills, the, the panoramic views. It honestly felt like I was watching a documentary about the terrorist attacks in 9-11. Honestly, the producers at E handled it with that severity. Oh my God, it was, it was amazing. I remember a couple of years ago, actually, um, I was doing an internship um, with RSVP magazine in Dublin. Um, if you haven't heard of them, you're better off. But um, I was doing an internship with them anyway. And, uh, you know, I was writing a story one day for their website. It was in regards to Kim Kardashian and the Paris robbery. Um, and I had to make it obviously a little bit more clickbaity for them. Um, so it was kind of, uh, oh, it was, what was it again? It was people, um, who were dressing up as Kim Kardashian being robbed for Halloween and then the outrage that went out about it. Um, and they wrote, um, oh, actually it was their most read story of the day. The whole, my story about the whole Kim Kardashian robbery costume. Uh-huh. And what was my thanks? My thanks was being fired by them. So like, let's move on from that garbage onto some other Irish garbage and that is the Church of Scientology. Now some of you may already know, I didn't know and that's why it's a mind popper for me, it blew my mind that they there is a Church of Scientology Institute in Dublin. Like I thought we were just going to leave Scientology to the Americans, you know, because it's to be expected. Ireland have its, has enough of its own problems. We don't need to throw some sort of culty Scientology into the mix. We really just don't. But nevertheless, it's here and actually has been for quite some time. The founder, um, Ron Hubbard, um, he actually, I think, set up the Irish wing of Scientology, which has now gone on, obviously, to be this big, you know, like multi-billion dollar like institution or whatever. But he actually set up an Irish branch. I think it's on Marion Street. Um, like two years after, and I could be wrong, but I think it was just after two years after he founded, you know, started up in America, in the States. Um, like why Ireland? Like why Ireland? Like we usually just get left out of the drama, but it's here. And look, we, I, I'm presuming by this stage, we've all heard of Scientology, what Scientology is. You know, it's, it wants to be considered a ma- major world religion, but it's nothing of the sort. It is, God, it is a cult. It's the only word for it. It is literally a cult. Like, you know, like the cults you see in movies. You know, we've heard of like all the celebrities being involved um, in Scientology and it's a lot of weird shit. Basically, the whole thing is, you know, L. Ron Hubbard has written these books, basically how to like lead the perfect life and how to be the perfect person or whatever. So when you join Scientology, then, you know, you actually have to pay to do courses 
and like they have like these little baby courses that start off like $70 which go up to thousands and then hundreds of thousands of dollars and so on and so on and you have to like pay to do these courses you know to be regarded you know as someone who is practicing Scientology and it, the, the amount of money you throw in and throw in just goes up and up and up and you know what if you were, if you were like okay all these celebrities going throwing money at this at this bullshit you'd be like so be it let them off who gives a fuck you know um if they have that kind of money to throw around leave them off but the thing is the the vast like 99% of the people that make up Scientology are just average normal people who have just been like sucked into this cult um and like Scientology came like burst back into like the news about I think it was in 2016 again um when Leah Remini now you know real Leah Remini I love her she played Carrie in the King of Queens um she was born into Scientology or no her parents were in Scientology so she was basically born to Scientology her family joined Scientology the Church of Scientology when she was only nine years old um, but she only got out of it, like, say, in the last couple of years. She's only left the church in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, and she did this uh, TV show and she ended up win- winning an Emmy for it. But it was uh, Leah Remini, uh, Scientology and the Aftermath. Um, and it, it is so worth the watch, I promise you. If you want to see what actually goes on in Scientology, it's fucking crazy. You know, when she left, um, when she left Scientology you know, they, they, they try to ruin her because that is part of the doctrine in Scientology. It's called like the free pass doctrine where if someone leaves the church or if someone on the outside is, um, you know, saying derogatory things towards the church or whatever or going against church practices, that you have a free pass. You have, you are allowed to do anything within your means to destroy that person. The church Scientology, you know, in the, in the doctrine, in the writing, it says, find out what that person loves and destroy it um so it is vicious and she talked about you know when she left the the church of scientology she said that the church then tells the family members of that person that you can never obviously speak to your daughter again that's absolutely forbidden but these people are so brainwashed they're like of course we'd, we'd, we'd never want to speak to her again so Leah remini has like loads of other survivors of scientology on the show and she talks about you know how all these people like people are left by themselves these people who got out of the cult but like all their whole family are still in it and stuff. Um, and you know, they can't like, they, they have no one, they have nobody. They have nothing. Like all their money's gone. Their family have ostracized them because you know, that's what the church of Scientology is telling them to do and all that. It's crazy. And for then, for this like thing to be set up in Dublin or whatever. And the, 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 what you call it? The, the center in Dublin, the Scientology center in Dublin was actually only going broke. It was going bankrupt a couple of years ago. Uh, little do people know. But then it got a big cash injection from the founders over in the States. So now up in Dublin, not only do they have like their little headquarters, but they have like this big community centre. Like I've never seen it. This is new news to me, but I know it exists. I've seen photos. Like maybe people from Dublin have seen it or whatever. Um, but my God, we don't need it. We do not need it. Um, and you like, we've never really heard of much of a scandal going on with the Church of Scientology in Ireland, like we have in the States. So I did a little digging. Um, I put on my Nancy Drew cape. Um, there was a couple of years ago where all of these like information packs, like study packs on different topics, um, started appearing in primary schools and secondary schools around the country. And they were you know really really well and this is quotes from like the teachers and the people working the school really really excellently put together um like study packs on kind of like human rights issues or say kind of like drugs and alcohol issues you know these kind of topics that you know that are explored in school so the schools were delighted to be getting you know the and they were just excellently put together excellent pieces of information is what the teachers were calling them um and they, they would come from like groups called like um Oh, I can't remember what they were called, but it was like, oh, like um, the humanist organization of whatever. It was never like from the Church of Scientology Dublin. They always went by these shell names when delivering these information packs to the schools. Um, so a lot of the schools then started like, you know, teaching uh, the, the students this stuff. Uh, and then a couple of the teachers had copped on and they'd actually recognized the names of these organizations like the humanitarian society for whatever they recognized them as shell comp they were shell companies they were shell names for 
the Church of Scientology because they'd seen it then being used in other aspects where those same names were being used. And at first glance, the teachers were saying, oh, this stuff is really good. It's really informative. But when you actually read it and looked into it, you could see that they had the Church of Scientology doctrine embedded in the whole thing. So, I mean, like the Church of Scientology in Ireland have been so quiet. They've kept to themselves so much. They have never stirred a false. But all this time, they've been sending like their doctrine, you know, their texts into schools to young people for it to be taught to young people using like fake aliases. Um, and all this time, their doctrine has been taught in Ireland. And we never even fucking knew about it. Like all that shit I was learning in school and I did not know, you know, it was from the Church of Scientology at all. Um, I mean, I don't even like the church church, never mind Church of Scientology. Um, and, and in saying that, I was an altar server. As some of you know, I was an altar server. And let me tell you, it was not a good time. I just, oh, there was this one one priest that I hated. I And to this day, I still hate his guts. One of the local parish priests. Because I was an altar server and I was altar serving with my best friend Mark at the time. <clears throat> and I was only kind of doing it because it was like just something fun to do, the two of us. But God, let me tell you, these altar servers are vicious. Everyone wants to be top altar server. Absolutely everybody wants to be top altar server. And those albs, that's what those white flowing gowns are called. They just do no favours. They do no... And I was, a, I was a heavy kid as is. But like, just I know I'm going on a tangent. But one of the main roles as the altar server was to hold the Bible for the priest during mass. Like hold the book up for him so he could read it to the congregation. You know, because the lazy bastard was incapable of holding his own fucking book, apparently. Um, but yeah, so it was always his favourite altar server. And then it was never me. It was never me. He'd like come down like, you know, to us like while we were backstage, backstage, I'm a performer. But he'd come backstage and like, who will I have hold the Bible today? Will it be Adam? Will it be Mark? Will it be Kyle? Or will it be Kira? It was never Adam. It was never Adam. He'd love to like hover over me. He'd be like, will it be Adam who holds my... It will be Mark. We'll go with Mark today. It was always that kind of thing. And looking back now, obviously, I'm like, fuck your book. Obviously, you know, I would have slapped that book out of his hand. Um, at the time, of course. So obviously, I've just never been able to forgive that. Um, and I never will. But the Church of Scientology thing, it does freak me out. Like, what are they doing up there? Um, I don't know. I don't trust it. Like the Church of Scientology in Ireland. I don't trust it. Like what Irish celebrities as well would be involved in the Church of Ireland. Like Vogue. Who gives a fuck if Vogue Williams is in anything? Um, God, it's just knowing the thoughts of like this whole like, imagine if there was like this culture of like Irish celebrities, you know, that were in. They'd all be kicked out. They'd all be kicked out because no Irish celebrity is following the Church of Scientology doctrine. Like, imagine having blogger Claire Balding, you know, join the Church of Scientology. They'd kick her out in two seconds. 100% because she's dirt. She's dirt bird. She's scumbag. So they're not going to keep, like, Irish things in. So I think they were like, why bother with the Irish celebrity things? Because there just ain't a whole... And no one wants to deal with Bono as well either, you know? No one wants to deal with Bono. Um... So there, I guess there isn't like this whole big Irish celebrity culture within Scientology like there is in the States, which is unfortunate because it would have been interesting. But some of the I, the still active members of the Church of Scientology, as far as we're aware now, of course, you have to keep in mind, there's going to be so many celebrities, uh, so, so many celebrities that we'd, I'm sure that we'd be shocked, we'd be shook to know that are in Scientology or involved in Scientology. But of course, they keep under the radar. The The ones that we know who are involved in Scientology still to this day is Kirsty Alley. Okay, used to love her. Um, if you don't know her, she was like that American actress who was like famous for being fat and then not being fat. Um, you have Nancy Cartwright. Very disappointing. Nancy Cartwright is the voice of Bart Simpson. Um, she's a member of Scientology. Elizabeth Moss. Get this. Elizabeth Moss, okay, is that crackhead looking white woman from Handmaid's Tale. You know, the story about like how all these women are just used as like reproductive thing and it's like dystopian society. Yet herself, she is involved in a cult. Um, which I, it's very meta for sure, but it turned me off to Handmaid's Tale. I like, I'm not supporting it. I'm not into it. John Travolta, which I'm, you could have guessed. There was something not right with him. 
Um, and then, oh my god, you know who else is in uh, Scientology? Laura Preppen, you know? She was the hot one from that 70s show. And then wasn't she playing, like, um, what was her name? Alex. Uh, remember Alex in uh, Orange is the New Black, Piper's Girlfriend? Yeah. There is a lot of people in Scientology. Um, you know, the thing about Scientology, it is very destructive, apart from, like, breaking up families and, you know, basically stealing people of all their hard-earned cash. It's very, it's very divisive um, in terms of, like, you know, you're not allowed um interact. They have a thing called a tone scale, uh, which basically categorizes every single person um, in terms of who's living a, a perfect Scientology life and anything beneath that then you're not allowed to associate with even if they're your family doesn't matter if they're your child like if you have a, a, a gay child they on, on their tone scale they have LGBT people so gays, lesbians, trans, bi's, what have you and they have them on the same measurement as pedophiles and murderers and all that kind of thing so it, it really does destroy lives but I guess in saying that I mean aren't all because you know me, I'm very, very anti-organised um, religion. Always have been. Um, ever since father wouldn't let me hold the damn book. But I'm, you know, in seriousness, I am very anti-religion. And I guess, I mean, is Scientology basically just doing, just doing what all religions are doing? Except like, you know, it was easier to create religion, of course, a hundred, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Because, you know, we would believe anything. We thought the earth was flat, you know. We thought when the sun went down every night, we were going to die. So I can understand, you know, how people bought into it then. But buying into it now. Because, like, the, the Scientologists don't even promise you an afterlife or anything like that. They don't offer you, like, an answer like that. Scientologists don't believe in a God. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe in a heaven. When you're dead, you're dead. So I'm surprised that so many people are buying into this. But I guess if you look at Ireland and, like, Catholic Ireland, you know... I mean, we know as a nation, as a country, what it's like to live in a cult and what it's like to like live in the aftermath of a cult. Like we know that because I mean, first of all, like the, how how divisive it is. Am I saying, am I using that word right? Like in how like, you know, like the Catholic Church in Ireland has the like us all like separated and fighting against each other. You know, it has implanted in so many people's heads, you know, negative connotations with like homosexuality you know, being a single mother, you know, being like a sex positive woman and all that, using fucking protection, while at the same time getting us to fork out money to pay them, you know? Um, so, I mean, in a lot of ways, um, we, I think, can relate to the whole coming out of the whole cult kind of a thing, 100%. Me particularly, like, I was in the cult, okay? I was the altar server. I was bringing bitches in. I learned Latin for those bitches. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just shocking to me that we actually have Scientology in Dublin. Like, I would really love to go and attend some of the seminars and all that. And, you know, if you go there, they hook you up to this, like, thing. And I'm going to tell you if you're lying and all that. Like, they really get in there and deep. And I got too many secrets for the Church of Scientology to start um, looking into me. But, you know, I thought it was interesting as well. Just like in terms of like the whole like all these religions being essentially being cults. I mean, I don't mean to offend anyone by saying that. But, but, but I mean, like when you look at a cult, you know, your stereotypical cult. And then you look at like what happens, you know, with religion. I mean, like it's very similar, you know. Um, and it's just crazy to me, like, if you look at in the States, especially, like, back to the Yanks, um, just the money that they have, the sheer money. Like, I remember seeing, like, with this whole uh, coronavirus thing going on, some televangelist um, in the States, which is, you know, one of these preachers that are, like, on the TV networks, like, giving their sermons, whatever. I remember he, um, I've seen, like, videos of him online, of him, like, talking about the coronavirus, and he was like, he was like, I blow on you. I blow on you, coronavirus, and you are gone. I blow on you, and you are healed. Everybody watching at home, paying your subscription, you're healed. And all that. I'm like, damn, like, not only do people buy into this, okay? Because this guy's name is Kenneth Copeland, right? He's an American televangelist. His net worth, okay, is estimated between 300 million and 750 million. This preacher, this Christian preacher, right, 
like what kind of preacher, what kind of holy man has a net worth of 750 million dollars? Like if you're not seeing that this person, like if these people are scam artists, it just blows my mind. Um, not only that, I mean like, first of all, he wasn't paying taxes on his property or anything because he had it down as, oh no, it was used for like holy shit or whatever. Like he had the private, he's, this man has had so many scandals, you know, he's like, putting the money into like his private jets like private jets this uh, a preacher a priest has a private jet okay he had built a fucking airport for himself um um and he's had so many scandals like he'd fundraise he fundraises um millions and millions for that uh, crisis in haiti a couple of years ago and never bothered going over he never bothered he was like no the money god is telling me the money needs to be used elsewhere kind of a gig and like, so this man, I mean, basically is pure evil. He's preaching to the sheeple and they're just forking out money. And even he's on video saying the last couple of weeks that he understands that people are like out of money and they can't afford like barely to eat their food or whatever because everyone's out of work from um, from coronavirus. Everywhere's closed down or whatever. And he's saying, but it's important to keep paying the money, the teats is what he calls them you know, to him and to the organisation. He's like, you got to keep paying because you will be paid back, you know, a thousand times fold by God. And this kind of thing, like, God, he is just a leech. But interesting enough, interesting enough this same preacher, you know, who got the, se- the the net worth of 750 million, like he's almost a billionaire from preaching the word of God. Um, He sat on like an, evan- an evangelical um, executive, advi- an advisory board, you know, for President Trump, that President Trump assembled um, when he was running for president um, in the United States back in, like, what was it, 2016 or whatever. Um, and then he, he, like, the evangelist, that same guy, went on to his big TV networks and was like, if you don't vote for Don- when when Donald Trump was going against Hillary, he's like, if you don't vote for Donald Trump, um, you're, you're a murderer. You're a murderer, you know, basically because, like, Hillary had... You know, she was more open with laws on um, abortion, you know, and like Planned Parenthood and all that. So it was just like, it was crazy. Like all these people having like this big money. Like you can't be a holy man. You can't have any relation to the divine and have that that much wealth. Like the same way with like the Vatican and the Catholic Church. You can't really preach compassion, kindness and whatever with your vow of charity, my whole um, like my hoop, vow of charity, my hoop, when y- you're billionaires, you know, it, that it, that just doesn't make sense. So I, I mean, I understand the comfort that people find in religion, like it gives them some sort of like comfort feeling or like the fear of the unknown. I can understand why people buy into it. I do, but seriously, like not enough people question it. Um, and it's just this gross wealth, which leads me on to my final and last mind popper of the episode. And this was, and I actually found this mind popper from looking at the televangelist and the church of Scientology and just all the wealth that these like world religions had. It led me on to like asking a question. And the question was, what is the cost of ending hunger worldwide? You know, is there a price you know, that we could come up with that would eradicate world hunger. And there was. Because I feel like for, for world hunger for us, um, like for everyone, like at least in the Western world growing up, like the hunger, the hungry kids of Africa has almost been like, just like a Hollywood backdrop in our lives. Like we know it's there. I mean, how often do we wake up thinking about the starving children in Africa? We don't. We don't. We're onto Instagram or wherever. And I'm the very same. Um... So it's kind of come from like a backdrop or whatever. And it's something like we, well, I mean, we've all, we've known about it since we were children. You know, you, you they're having a bake sale in school um, for Africa. Like I, like, as if I'm paying 50 cent for fucking someone's mother, like for that heifer to bring in um, Rice Krispie cakes and charge me 50 cent. Absolutely not happening. But apart from that, like we've, we've known it. I mean, even with like with the chokra boxes, the ads on television. I mean, like, and, and I'll admit, I'll admit um, I dipped into the choker box a few times growing up and not even like growing when I say growing up it makes it sound like I was like 11 I mean like when I was like 22 uh, I dip into the choker box 100% and I remember like one day I took like a substantial amount of money I remember like one of my family was over like it was probably a grandparent or something and they put in like a note 
like a fiber note into our chokra box. I mean, come on. Five euro in the chokra box. Um, so obviously I did. I dipped my little fingers in and I did. I wouldn't even put my finger into the hole because my parents would see, you know, you could see the little slit. They could see that it was messed up and they'd be like, someone has been in the chokra box. So what I used to do was like go from, I used to like fist it. I used to like go from underneath the chokra carton and I'd like wiggle my little paws in that way. And then obviously I, I took the money and I still remember clear as day the face of that little girl on the chokra box. And I was like, am I going, actually going to steal from little Muafat? Now I could be mispronouncing that name, but I was just looking into that girl's eyes on the box. I was like, am I going to steal from little Muafat? Yeah, damn right I am. And I did. Um, and like, do I regret it? Sure. Sure. I regret it. Um, but I had no money. I was a kid. But the thing is, looking at a bigger perspective, like something I've never asked before, world hunger is there a price tag with it can we can we cure it can we can we get rid of it is it in the realm of possibility and the answer is yes so i'm reading up on a couple of articles on it you know doing a bit of research doing my due diligence um and it could cost anywhere between like this is obviously what scientists or whatever you want to call these people you know scientists is a broad term um but just these people um you know, what is the price range? And they say really that it could cost anywhere between 7 billion to 265 billion annually until um, these countries get to a place, you know, where they could kind of like provide for themselves where they wouldn't be needing aid kind of basically. And to me, I was like, so damn, there is a price. You know, there is money that could, that could completely eradicate world hunger. And I mean, yes, 265 billion, it is an absolutely massive amount of money but like when you look at all these big corporations these big multinationals these big countries like the US or whatever that have this big money um and like the one percent in the world like the one percent could get together and eradicate world hunger you know like so it's not like a case of like we all like we wake up like screaming every morning be like oh my god there's there's people dying in Africa like what, what can we do what can we do no, like, it can be done. It's just people aren't really that fucked about it. You know, people, they're like, ah, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, you know, let's do another bake sale. Um, like, people just don't really give a fuck, you know, because, I mean, it's there. It is absolutely possible to end world hunger, you know, 100%. Instead of, like, doing all these, like, different charities and fundraising events, we're basically just, like, pissing onto an inferno, making no difference whatsoever, um, but it can be done and the money exists in this world to do it but the thing is people don't wanna um, they just don't want to and I, which is which is mad to me and look I know it's not e- as easy as just being like okay write a check write Africa a check you know and then for like in, in the details write food you know I know it's not that easy I know you can't just write a check and stuff it would be a very 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 complicated project because, like, all the things that, like, what contribute to, like, the starving people, you know, it's climate, it's war, it's geopolitics, like, all oh, and weather and all this, you know, it is vast and it would be an incredibly, incredibly hard thing to do. But it's doable. Um, and we have the money to do it. But people are like, nah, not really interested, you know. Which to me is fucked up as a human race. When do we become so numb? When do we just stop giving a fuck? And look, I know I'm preaching right now, but look, it's not like I'm out there walking kids and fucking nature either, do you know? It's just an observation. Um, so don't come for me on that. It blew my mind. And in the same way, sorry to end on a bummer, but in the same way I was looking at Ireland and I was like, God, I was like, how much money would it cost for us to end homelessness in Ireland? You know, on a much, a much smaller country. So I think the like the latest figures that they had for like homeless in Ireland, there was like what, like something like 10,000 people on the streets, you know, between men, women and kids, like about 10,000 people, which of course sounds a lot more manageable than when you like try target something or like try take on something like world hunger that obviously has millions of people. Um, so I wasn't really sure in terms of money. I know that the government like has thrown hundreds of millions at the homeless crisis um, and I, I don't know exactly what they're doing but when you look at it and saying that there's right there's about 10,000 homeless people in Ireland at the moment and then I googled I wasn't getting any like direct answers that I wanted then I googled how many vacant houses 
are in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, here comes the mind popper, right? So if they say there's 10,000 homeless people, you know, currently in Ireland at the moment, well, there is, you know, from a 2016 consensus, there is 245,460 vacant homes currently in this country. And we got 10,000 homeless people. So it's like, again, it's kind of like, oh, yes, we, we have a solution to this problem or at least to make a massive dent in this problem. But, you know, we're very busy. We're very busy. So, again, it's just weird to me. Like, when did the world become so fucked up? These mind poppers this week, they, they got me fucked up. To be quite honest, they got me fucked up. Um, my blood pressure is very high at the moment. Um, but we, we, we did a lot. Like, we visited a lot it's been a lot it's been very overwhelming you know we did like the fact that the US government's probably told us that there is real alien life out there to fucking Scientology in Dublin and in our schools to fucking world hunger we're scholars here we are scholars here um, and I will be back next Saturday with a whole fresh array of mind poppers for you if you want to support this podcast in the meantime you can scream directly into the void stay woke Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.